So here we are once again. That's right. It's me, Brian Lacey, back with the Wocaster. Thank you uh, for joining me and uh, an exciting week of fights coming up. An exciting podcast for you to enjoy. We're going to touch on UFC uh, in a second, but we've also got two interviews from uh, Bellator 158. That is right. We have got James the Juggernaut Mulherin on the podcast uh, and also his opponent Neil the Goliath Grove uh, both on here to talk about that fight that they've got coming up on July 16th at Bellator 158 uh, at the O2 and then of course we have this fight week we have this unbelievable week of fights that the UFC have yet again put on for us I think it's 36 fights in three days with five title fights I think that's right it might be more fights I know there's five title fights I know there's three days of fighting that I've got to try and keep up with uh, while bouncing around the country doing gigs and being a dad and a husband as well so um, it's putting a lot of pressure on this but an exciting amount of pressure and there's only one way to break it down um, that's to get a UFC fighter to break it down with me that is right I have got Dan Hangman Hooker that is right can you believe it he's joining me on the podcast uh, for an extended interview to talk about these fight cards uh, we're going to touch on the matchups the main headline fights the title fights from the first two cards and then we break down UFC 200 uh, for you to enjoy and Dan is just amazing he's uh, doing these little breakdown videos uh, at the minute which is one of the reasons I reached out to him and the detail in which he breaks down the techniques the styles uh, is phenomenal so I was chuffed a bit when he said he'd agree uh, to come on the podcast break down this UFC fight week uh, for me as well so we'll find out exactly what his thoughts are on those three cards and uh, what's next for him so let's get cracking I'm not going to even make you wait for that one let's just get on with it ladies and gentlemen welcome to the podcast the one and only Dan the Hangman Hooker uh, so here we are once again with the Wocast and joined once again by my favourite hangman. That's right, Dan Hooker. How are you, buddy? Yeah, good, guys. Uh, good to be here. Good to, good to have you, my friend. Uh, well, every time I talk to you, first of all, you're in a different part of the world. First, first interview we had, Saigon. Then you're in Colorado when it was snowing. And now I've just seen you pop up on my screen with a fabulous tan, Dan. Uh, tell people where you are. Yeah, no, I'm uh, training out at Tiger Muay Thai in beautiful Phuket, Thailand. So I was uh, catching a bit of sun around uh, this time of year. <laughs> Not too bad. Some other things have changed as well, my friend. Congratulations, you are now a uh, uh, you are now a married man. How does that feel? Ah, very good, very good. I, I tricked I tricked her into and got her locked down. <laughs> I gotta say, she's absolutely stunning, my friend, and uh, uh, you make a great couple. It must have been a great day, but it only just happened. Usually, usually when you have a wedding, you go on honeymoon. But all I see you doing is hitting pads. What's where's the honeymoon, mate? <laughs> I think that's all we call life. <laughs> six six months in Thailand, I told her. So <laughs> that's the honeymoon you tricked her again. We're having a we're having a six month uh, honeymoon period. Oh, fantastic, mate! Well, look, uh, <laughs> so pleased to get you on. So pleased uh, that you, you agreed to do this because we're going to break down this amazing fight week uh, coming up uh, for the UFC. An unbelievable week of fights that they're putting on. Uh, three uh, three nights of fights, five title fights, something like thirty six fights in all, or something around there. And one of the reasons I wanted to get you on. Um, was because I've been watching you put up these little breakdown videos. Now, I've watched the Gracie's uh, breakdown, some of the jiu-jitsus. Uh, there's obviously great analysts like Robin Black doing stuff um, uh, on sort of the, the promo of a fight and technique as well. Dan Hardy does it as well. Uh, but yours are fantastic. They're so detailed. Uh, what got you started in that? And um, uh, are we going to see more of them? Yeah, well, I've kind of just... 
I'm always watching fights and I'm, I'm always breaking down fighters and watching it myself. And I, I've seen these other breakdowns and I, I think that I can present like a different angle to people. And it gives people a good insight into the technique it actually takes to become a fighter. You know, uh, people starting out watching the sport they, they kind of just watch two people throwing punches at each other yeah. and assume that there's not too much going on but there's so many levels and angles and uh, it's such a science that I, I just wanted to share that with people and explain it in a way that your average Joe just starting out watching the sport can see that there's so much more to do to the sport yeah. than just two guys throwing punches. Uh, I think you hit it, the nail on the head there when you talk about the detail in which you talk about it. And we'll, we'll go straight into uh, uh, the, the one of the fights that I'm excited about that's sort of flown under the radar, Eddie Alvarez uh, versus Dos Anjos. Um, the way you broke it down, you looked at um, Dos Anjos, some of the, the, the uh, combinations he was putting in uh, in training and how he worked off of Alvarez's uh, levels the detail in that where you you chop it in with the the, the videos of how Alvarez is use le, uses levels offensively and defensively, but also how uh, Dos Anjos has now implemented some strikes, some elbows uh, and knees to sort of counter that um, uh, was it was a real fantastic glimpse in, glimpse into um, a fighter like Dos Anjos who we know watches tape his his trainers. Uh, build game plans around their opponents, what they do, their habits, and to see that minuscule amount of detail that could make a huge amount of difference in uh, Alvarez getting into his comfort zones uh, was a massive thing. Um, that that fight for me is is an exciting one. From your point of view, apart from those little bits of technique that you're seeing there, um, how do you see them style wise matching up? Yeah, well. Going back and watching uh, a lot of film on Eddie Alvarez, like he, in a lot of fights against lower tier guys, he's he gets hurt in a lot of fights early on, and that kind of switches him on. So he comes out and he'll he'll exchange strikes. He's very aggressive, uh, not not so much careless, but he's he's very aggressive with the strikes from from the initial moments of the fight, mm. and he tends to get hurt by a lot. Uh, fighters that aren't on his level whereas I think Rafael Dos Anjos possesses the power where he may be able to hurt him and really put him away early so I don't think Eddie can take the risks like he usually can against lower tier fighters against Rafael Dos Anjos uh, from what I've seen in his training and his previous fights Rafael comes forward and he's aggressive and he presses a fighter and if he gets Eddie hurt, I think he has the composure to put him away and not kind of like a lot of these lower guys, they hurt Eddie and then they, they kind of tire themselves out trying to finish him. Whereas I think Raphael's of a level where if he gets him hurt, I think he has the ability to really put him away. Um, and when you look at Raphael over the last few years, especially since he's become champion, in fact, since his loss to Habib, He's changed dramatically as a fighter, hasn't he? You look at some of these strength and conditioning uh, drills that he does, as well as uh, how he works in his camp now. He's night and day from the fighter he used to be a, 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 a few years ago, whereas Eddie Alvarez seems to me he's a very effective fighter. He's been a champion in other organizations. He is so durable. And he's, he showed with the Pettis fight he can be very savvy with a game plan as well. Um, but do you think that the, uh, the evolution of Dos Anjos will just be too much for Alvarez to cope with? Yeah. Uh, so 
Eddie does have a smart team, and he, he works with great guys and great trainers. He's from uh, – he works alongside Frankie Edgar. Yeah, so Mark I know Henry is, is his striking coach as well, isn't he? So he, he has very smart trainers and very smart training partners. But I really think that Dos Anjos is competing at that world-class level just uh, a space longer. You know, uh, he's been – Eddie's been champion in these other organizations in Bellator, but now – Rafael's been fighting in the UFC against the world's best for such a long time now that I think he's experienced that higher level of fighting for so much longer than Eddie. And he's he's really got that that that, that plan down to succeed. Um, as far as you've seen it pan out, do you think it will all depend on if Eddie Alvarez can survive that first few minutes? You saw how devastating Dosanio was against Cerrone and you touched on it there. You think he's more devastating than some of the other fighters he's, he's faced. If he gets past those first, uh, first, maybe the first round, first two rounds, is that the, is that the, um, the world Alvarez needs to get the fight to, to, to stand a chance against Dosanios? I think, as in most of it, Eddie's fights, the, the longer into the fight that we go, the, the better we see him. So when we go out there and we see, uh, I think Eddie's not going to change his style. He's going to go out and he's going to be aggressive, as is Dos Anjos. So we're going to see two hungry, aggressive guys going at each other. And I think Eddie is prone to getting hurt. So we'll see how he reacts or how Dos Anjos adapts to hurting Eddie, whether he takes that uh, I think he has a smarter approach, whether we see him slowly pressure, pressure Eddie and really start wearing him down, as opposed to most guys who are not used to having someone hurt and they're trying to get them out of there straight away. I think Raphael's of the level where he'll, he'll chip away and he'll break the guy down and he'll, he'll slowly increase pressure. So it's really how Dos Sanos acts once he has Eddie hurt you know does he rush to take him out or does he slowly add pressure and kind of break Eddie down uh, that's a fantastic fight uh, following that we've got um, the oh, and it would be great to break down absolutely every single one of these fights but uh, because <laughs> we're pressed for time and there's 36 fights to go through yeah. uh, we can't do that so we'll touch on the the, the main events for the, uh, the 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 first card and the ultimate fighter card uh, finale card and then we'll get stuck into UFC 200 uh, but Yoan Yun Jacek versus Claudia Gedalia um, there's been a lot of uh, hype around the ultimate fighter series about them clashing during during that, um, their first fight was a fantastic fight. It sort of flew under the radar because mm. it was just at the birth of this division. Um, and in many people's eyes, and I, I would even say mine, I thought Gedalia had, had took that fight. I think um, Yunjacek was lucky to get the decision on that one. Since then, Yunjacek has just become phenomenal, a devastating um, striker. She did what she did to uh, Penne and. Um, uh, what she's done to everybody that's been put in front of her now with the, the, the Muay Thai and how her wrestling has um, evolved uh, to fit mixed martial arts as, as well as the striking, the, the Muay Thai, uh, the, the level she's at on that. Um, it's going to be such an interesting matchup to see where these two athletes are now, don't you think? Yeah, well, I think Joanna uh, has... I love these kind of fights where, where they've they've already fought... And then a good amount of time has passed and we can see the improvements that fighters have made. And now when they come back and rematch, uh, you know, 
it's been over a year, you know, a year and a half since they since they first fought, and we can really really test the improvements that these two have made. Uh, I really think that Joanna has made just massive leaps and bounds since their first fight. The first fight was very close, but the improvements that Joanna's made in her game since that fight, I think, uh, are too big. She's just she's just made such great improvements in her striking and her composure. And it's that different mindset. It's that champion mindset. Once someone gets the belt, you know, there's, they really commit themselves so much more towards maintaining that title and building a legacy. So I think that's going to be the difference in this fight. Um, and as far as her opponent, Claudia Gedalia is, is physically one of the most, fantastic human beings like athletically she's very gifted uh, she's very strong um very aggressive herself a, a fight against jessica aguilera uh, was a great mm -hmm. fight as well um she's really as far as this division is concerned she really is the number one contender um what do you see in her game that will cause yun jacek some issues if she's allowed to uh, uh to fight in her world yeah it's set that physical nature she has and her ability to really push the pace of the fight, you know, she's, she really has that ability to, to pressure a fighter. And, uh, I don't think anyone else in the division has that ability like, uh, Claudia does. And we've seen that, you know, uh, Joanna's fought some of the other top fighters in the world and just been able to kind of blow right through them. Now we already know that she can't just walk over, over uh, Claudia and she's going to have to come with something else so I really think this is a match of game plans and who has the smarter approach to this fight we know they're both tough they're both fit and they're both strong and it's a close fight and they both would have gotten better you know but now it's to see whose level has sharpened up in such a small space of time um, on top of that, we're talking about the game plans, but the other thing that can stifle game plans is emotions, going into a fight uh, full of emotions. And these two have been in each other's faces, quite literally. From what we heard from the Ultimate Fighter series, they actually came to blows at one point, uh, with, which included head, head kicks outside the, outside the gym. Um, so there's going to be emotion there. Uh, Yun Jacek seems to thrive on that. She likes to, you just look at those stare downs for a start. That's the scariest stare down in MMA. Um, but you look at, uh, she seems to like to get her opponents emotional. Uh, Gedalia, I don't know if that's something that she's going to have to really be mindful of controlling when she steps in there. Because uh, like you said, if, if she, if she uh, if she can put the pressure and she can fight her fight, uh, she's a very dangerous prospect for Yun Jacek. But if she goes in there with emotion and makes mistakes, Yun Jacek arguably is one of the best at ca uh, capitalising on those, especially with that striking and especially with the damage she can cause uh, when she hits somebody with those elbows or those knees. Yeah, well, I, I actually trained with Joanna when she was in. Uh, she came through Denver. Nice. And so I. I got some grappling rounds and I, I got to see her in the wrestling mat and I got to see that that uh, her intensity up close and she really thrives off it, off the intensity of training, off she has other people in the gym pushing her. She's, she's such an intense training partner. You know, I'd see massive guys going with her grappling and she's just not giving an inch, you know. I really <laughs> think she, she thrives off that intensity, you know. So Claudia giving it to her is really... 
stoking a fire as as opposed to distracting her. Yeah. So you know, the more the more intensity that uh, Claudia brings to this fight, I think it's it's adding to the motivation of Joanna as opposed to distracting her. Wow. Um, and let's let's get your pick on this one. If you were to pick for uh, for one of these, uh, who would you go with, and, and how do you see it ending? Yeah, I think Joanna. Um, Maybe not the ability to to put her away because uh, I got to give props to Claudia for being so tough. But maybe by decision, I think it'll be a mainly a striking affair, and I see Joanna uh, outpointing her and taking this one by decision. Um, I agree with you on that one. I I I, I think Claudia is so tough. She's so strong. I think it's going to be a hell of a fight and by far the toughest test for Yun uh, Jacek. But she's blown me away since her, uh, well, since getting the belt. Exactly what you said. Since becoming champion, um, and the way she's put her mark on this division, uh, it's just it's been a standout um, reign. And just what she brings to the cage, I, I don't, I can't. When you watch, apart from maybe the um, the Paige Van Zant's her last fight, um, where she got quite a lot of damage on the face, there's not many female fighters that can cause the amount of damage that uh, Yun Jacek can cause to another human being in that amount of time. So I just think it's going to be too much, too much technique, uh, and uh, we'll see Yun Jacek retain the title. Uh, so off the back of that, we've got two. We've had two titles there. From I never got your proper pick on Dos Anjos and. Um, uh, Alvarez either for me it would be Dos Anjos I think he's going to have too much for Alvarez uh, what, what do you say on that one yeah for that one I think uh, once Dos Anjos catches that early pressure and I think that when he gets Eddie hurt he has the composure and the skill and the, the talent to really put him away and I think he'll put him away uh, rather early within the first or second round is wow. my pick Okay, so that's it. We've got to, from our picks. We've got two champions retaining their title. We move on to UFC 200. I mean, what a wait for this card! This the, the whole anticipation, the, the way it built up. McGregor coming off it with Diaz. Um, it felt like nothing was happening with the card for a long time, and I'm staring at it right now. It's in front of me. It's an unbelievable fight card, isn't it? Would you? I, I mean, when you look at that, would you argue that is the best fight card that the UFC have ever put together? Apart from one with you yeah, on, you on it, of course, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd have to agree. I think it is the the best fight card of all time. This UFC 200 card, like from top to bottom, I think any fight could main event a normal show. You know, having all of these on the on the same card is uh, absolutely insane. Crazy, absolutely crazy. And uh, let's start at the top because it's one that I'm itching to uh, uh, to talk about, which is Jones versus Cormier. Uh, like you said, um, these have faced each other before. It was a pretty dominant victory from Jones there. Lots has gone on in between. Uh, Jones um, uh, being stripped to the title, Cormier getting it in, in a fantastic fashion against Rumble Johnson. Um, how do you see this one playing out? I mean, what, what's what's your head and your heart telling you with this matchup now? Yeah, well, I've, I've just been breaking down this fight recently. So I've been watching the uh, the first fight a few times and I watched the Gustafsson-Cormier fight a few times and then I watched Jones' last fight again. So I've just <laughs> I've really been breaking this one down and kind of playing it over in my mind. And once I've watched the first fight, I've watched it, say, four or five times, and it, it really was such a clear decision for John Jones. Yeah. 
you know, Cormier had the ability to make it an ugly fight. He made it a messy fight. Mm. He closed the distance on Jones. He didn't he didn't play Jones' game. So he kind of forced the style of fight he wanted upon Jones, and he was still not successful with this kind of style of fight. You know, he, he pressured the clinch on Jones. He, he made him tired. He made it an ugly fight, and he still wasn't able to clearly do any damage. You know, I really thought that John Jones was able to dominate the clinch uh, against Cormier, which I a lot of people thought Cormier would have the edge in the clinch. But as we've seen from the Glover Texera fight, uh, John Jones has, has the ability to take the fight to his opponents uh, where where they have the strength, and he has the ability to beat them at what they do best. Yeah. And he kind of did that in the clinch against Cormier. Cormier finally pressured down Jones. You know, he finally broke the range of Jones and tired him out from distance and managed to get the clinch against him and he still really couldn't do anything. Yeah. He finally managed to wear him down and get him to the clinch and then Jones got the better of him in the clinch. So it's <laughs> he took him to his best position and uh, Jones put him against the cage and he, he took him down. He took Cormier down, you know, three or four times. So... In that short space of time, I can't see too much changing in this fight. Uh, you know, the hype is great. You know, I love watching the videos. <laughs> I love watching the talking. I love that, you know, Cormier has got the bout now. But I think in terms of skill, in terms of ability, I really think John Jones has the edge on Cormier and he'll he'll really the victory in this, this next fight. Um, th th I agree with you. I can't, it's just hard to see John Jones being beaten. Uh, and looking at him now physically, the way he's come back into um, uh, into training, the way he's applying himself to the sport is is phenomenal to see. Um, Cormier, though, the, the thing he talked about, the, the, the fact that he felt that changed what he was able to do, because that's not take away from Cormier. Cormier is a... Uh, a ridiculous um, fighter and athlete to to win the strike force heavyweight Grand Prix against some of some huge names in their prime uh, to come into the UFC and then to, uh, to to drop down to light heavyweight because his mate Cain Velasquez was the heavyweight champion and to get the title in there is a phenomenal. It's an unbelievable achievement. But the problem Cormier has got is he exists in a time when John Jones exists. And that is a, uh, um, it's just something that I can't see his skill set um, overcoming. Whereas he said the factor that affected his fight most with John Jones the first time round was he fought very emotional. We talked about that with the Young Jacek fight. Um, and he said now he's coming to compete. He says when he comes to compete um, with that attitude of a, of a wrestler, which he's done all of his life, um, he's a different animal. And the other factor is he is main training partner, his number one sparring partner, Cain Velasquez, was not able to train with him for the first fight. He has, he's on the same card as him uh, for this fight. With those factors in mind, his mindset being different and Cain Velasquez um, being put in a strong part of his camp, do you see that closing that gap, that distance, enough to make it even competitive or to give him the edge to maybe take the fight? So, without question, uh, Daniel Cormier is a, has a world championship mindset. Yeah. You know, I, I can speak for myself. I could, I could honestly, 
I could have a broken leg and I'm going to walk in a fight week <laughs> and I'm going to go into interviews and I'm going to tell everyone that I'm 100% confident that I'm going to win that fight because I will. I can really lie to myself that well yeah. that uh, no matter what's going on, I have a championship mindset and I can tell myself I'm going to be victorious. But going back and watching these fights, I think it really comes down to versatility. Uh, the versatility of John Jones is just on an incredible level. His ability to mix his strikes with his takedowns, with his clinch and his creative techniques is just uh, a couple of stages above Cormier's. You know, Cormier is very good at what he does. You know, he's he's got a few positions which he really excels at. A few wrestling positions, a few kickboxing techniques, and a few dirty boxing techniques from the inside that he's he's really great at. But the way that John Jones puts things together and is just creative in the octagon, his versatility is the difference in this fight. And I think that's really gonna uh, that's really gonna be the, the the turning point in this fight mm. is his creativity and his ability to make things up on the spot and kind of come up and adapt to the fight. Whereas I don't think Cormier is of the same level of adaptability. You know, yeah. he kind of does the same things. He's fit, he's strong. He has good wrestling, you know, but John Jones is a different animal. That's, uh, in my opinion, the second best pound for pound fighter in the world on the planet. You know, like you were saying, I really think it's, just call me his bad luck that he was came up in the same generation that John Jones was champion. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think you're absolutely spot on there. Um, the, the little bit of uh, a cherry on top of UFC 200 that surprised quite a lot of us, uh, pretty much all of us, is the next fight, uh, the co-main event for this one. It came from left field. Um, can you see me now? Mr. Brock Lesnar is back against <laughs> Mark Hunt. Uh First of all, what were your thoughts before you heard he was going to fight Mark Hunt? What were your thoughts when you heard Brock Lesnar would be fighting at UFC 200? It it makes in a business sense it makes complete sense. You know, you you go back and you look at you look at the numbers, and he has a couple of the highest ranking pay per views of all time. Like when you go back and you look, he, he headlined UFC 100. 100. That's crazy to think now that coming to 200, and he's He's coming and he's co-main eventing that same card. So in a business sense, it, it makes absolute sense to have this fight uh, put together and have Brock on the card. So I'm, I'm really excited for, for the UFC's ability to put this thing together, you know. But in, in terms of opponents, uh, I don't think the UFC is doing Brock any favors <laughs> by matching him up. Against Mark Hunt, you know. <laughs> Do you know what I reckon? I reckon the UFC are paying Lesnar per minute. So I think they're trying to get <laughs> Mark Hunt to finish it quickly so they save three or four million dollars, that's all. Um it's a it's a like you said, it's great to see him back. It's it's a spectacle as far as uh just and an and an achievement to say he was on UFC 100, which is, I think, the highest-grossing pay-per-view of all time as it stands. Uh, and now to be on UFC 200, that's just crazy to think that he spanned those two and, he, and he's back for this one. But going up against Mark Hunt, in an interview um, on uh, an American TV show, Brock Lesnar said the opponent didn't matter. He would take anybody. 
Um, but it's got to matter. And this is his first fight back after such a long time. And Mark Hunt, one of the most seasoned, scary, hard-hitting, greatest heavyweights that there has ever been. Um, it's a hell of a hell of a challenge for uh, for Brock Lesnar to step in, especially when one of the things that they used to say he struggled with uh, in his, his fight career was he struggled getting hit. He didn't like that part of the game. If you can get hold of you, that's great. Um, but he didn't like taking punches and he's going in against arguably the hardest ever hitter in the UFC. Yeah. Well, going back and watching those fights again, I've, I've watched Mark and really no one has been able to come out and kind of just blast him over and take him down. He's got such a low center of gravity and he has those wrestling basics and that ability to defend takedowns that we haven't seen high-level guys be able to just rush out and take him down. When he has been taken down, it's later on in the fight as he as he begins to tire and, and pressure. But Mark's ability to touch people on the chin and, and hit them in the right place is just incredible. Um there's really no one in the UFC with his composure. Yeah. And I think when he has that composure and he starts landing punches on Lesnar and the way that uh, – it's really going to come down to the way Lesnar reacts. Has he changed that ability to absorb a punch? If he can take a few shots and stay composed and set up his takedowns and pressure Mark against the cage, you know, we, we may be, be in, good, in for a good affair, you know. But if we see like we did against um, Alistair Overeem, where yeah. he gets touched like once or twice against Cain Velasquez, you know, of these better level strikers where he gets caught a few times on the chin and he, he turns away and he cowers away, then I think it's going to turn out like everyone uh, expects it to turn out with Mark just kind of walking through Lesnar. So this really comes down to how Lesnar responds once he does get tagged, because against a guy like Mark Hunt, he's going to get tagged once or twice. Sure. So it's going to be how he responds as opposed to um, whether he can take the shot. You know, yeah, yeah. if he cowers away, he'll be in for a pretty short night, you know. But if he can take those shots and adapt, then we might be in, in for an interesting affair. Um, it's great to see Brock back after the health issues, obviously, and uh, and to say that he's feeling fit because that was the uh, the the sad end to his UFC career, which was a pretty phenomenal era, the uh, the Brock Lesnar era. It brought a lot of eyes on the sport, and likely this will bring some more as well. But for me, the real the 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 real bonus that when I saw this fight get put together, I was so pleased for Mark Hunt to get this opportunity because he's been mm. he's fought for his UFC career. He's been through all sorts of organizations and establish himself as one of the, the great heavyweights of all time, one of the great fighters of all time. Uh, and now to see him getting co-main event at UFC 200, it's just a beautiful thing, isn't it? And from a man from the Southern Hemisphere, you must feel a bit of pride for that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I really hope that, you know, Mark has pay-per-view percentage uh, kind of written there in his contract, you know. <laughs> It'll be red, red panty knife for <laughs> if he's got this one together. You know, if he's got the good management and the good contract, then he's probably set himself up for life with Fantastic. this fight. So I'm, I'm really happy for him, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to this 
first fight. Fantastic. Uh, next up, Misha Tate versus Amanda Nunes. Her first defence of her bantamweight title comes against the very gritty, the very technically good Amanda Nunes. Um, people were calling for the uh, the rematch with Holly Holm. People were hoping maybe Rousey would come out um, uh, for this one. But Nunes has, has, without a doubt, earned her way into this spot. There are other options there. Uh, but this looks to me to be a really good scrap, a good styles matchup, and one that you can't see Tate overlooking. That's one thing um, that Nunes brings. She's definitely going to bring a fight towards Tate. How do you see this one playing out? Yeah, well, th- this happens to be my uh, so my least favorite fight to take. Yeah. You know, fights that you're supposed to win. Yeah. You know, uh, I think Nunes has her name is small, but her skill level is of that world class stage. You know, I think Nunes would do well against Holly Holm, sure. against Ronda Rousey. And it's going to be a tough fight against Tate, but the the, the name is not there, yeah. you know. So it's a lot of risk for uh, Tate taking this fight against Nunez. Um, I I really see their skill levels just stacking up with each other, mm. and this being a very very close affair. And I think that if Nunez gets the win in this fight, then she's going to make a superstar of herself and set herself up for fights with the likes of Holly Holm and Ronda Rousey. So it's it's a dangerous affair for Tate, but uh, it, it's one I'm looking forward to. And this is, this is razor thin. I don't think I can pick between these two. Yeah, it's very difficult to say. Exactly like you said, it's not one that you... Um... Uh, it immediately gets you sort of tingling as far as when you think Tate and Nunes when you just hear it written down on paper or see it written down on paper but when you break up their styles and when you break up how they fight um, it's actually a really close uh, uh, really close matchup for me um, I think Nunes physically offers a lot of uh, like yourself you're, you're very tall for your division you've got long limbs it causes problems um, Misha Tate showed she could overcome them with Holly Holm but it took her to the last round uh, of the of, of the championship rounds uh, against uh, Holly Holm for her to be able to, to to literally rip that title out of Holly Holm's uh, hands uh, if Nunes has a good smart game plan which from the camp she's in uh, you know that they're going to be thinking about that physically what does Tate need to do to get inside those limbs to uh, to to get close enough to wrestle her to get close enough to get her to uh, uh, the world that she wants it it really is exactly like the fight against Holly uh, what she showed in that fight was patience yeah it's it's such a hard trait to have at that level of the sport, you know, when you've got all that pressure of, uh, you know, 20,000 people chanting at you and, you know, you've got a world title on the line. Yeah. Uh, it adds so much more pressure and to have the ability to sit back and wait for your perfect timing is such uh, it's such a skill and it's such a... Um, very few people in the world have the ability to be patient yeah, under that, that pressure. Dis- that discipline, isn't it? Oh, it's uh, very much so discipline. So I think that comes down to this fight as well, uh, how Nunes reacts to that sort of pressure and really Misha's, Misha's ability to maintain that pressure and handle it and really wait for her time to strike like she did against Holly Holm yeah. and wait for that perfect timing to to put the pressure on Nunes and see if she can get the finish and take it to the ground. 
Um, it's a tough one to call for this one. I'm not going to make you call it because you said that you, you said you already said it's too tight to call. I th- I think Tate might be able to edge it on this one, but edge it is is the key uh, adjective there because I think it's such a tight fight and it's going to be a real one to watch. I think it's snuck under the radar like a few of these fights. Uh, mm. Another one that I'm so excited about: Jose Aldo versus Frankie Edgar. Uh, my goodness, what a uh, uh, what a fight this is! And because of the stuff that's happened with Conor McGregor. Again, this hasn't quite had the light shined on it that maybe it should. Edgar fought Aldo. He dropped down, and that was his first fight at this weight weight class um, after being champ at 155. Uh, a close fight. Aldo definitely, in my eyes, won that one. Um, but Edgar, since then, has just been uh, unbelievable. Just, just to grow as a fighter and to put on some of the performances that he has done. The Cub Swanson springs straight to mind. That demolition of somebody who's a very dangerous opponent in his division. Um, how do you see this one playing out? This is the second time they've fought. Aldo coming off the uh, the devastating knockout from Conor McGregor. How do you see this one? Yeah, this one is uh, just... Uh amazing fight like this is one that i've been looking forward to i think this is probably the highlight of the three days of i'm, I'm going with you on that one the smile that's just come up on your you know, face is, is says it all i might me. have i might have a bit of a <laughs> bit of a bias you know this being for the number one contender spot of my division yeah of course but um going back and watching the fight jose had a very clear decision victory over over edgar and he really showed the game plan to beat Edgar. He he showed an understanding of Edgar's footwork. He showed an understanding of the strengths of Frankie Edgar. And he showed exactly how to fight Frankie Edgar. Now, we look at Frankie's fight since then. He fought Cub and he did amazing. He, he was really able to just pick Cub apart and take him away with his style. We saw him against uh, Mendes, and he caught Mendes early with that big punch and yeah. really put on an amazing display. But I really don't think that Edgar showed me anything new in those fights. He showed that these other opponents didn't understand what Frankie was really doing, and I don't think they had the... Their team had really broken down Frankie's game like Aldo's team had. And I really haven't seen anything new in Frankie's game. I've seen him have a different result using the same techniques, but I haven't seen anything new or anything different that I haven't seen from Frankie's Edgar's game since the Aldo fight. Hmm. So I think unless Frankie comes with something new against Jose Aldo or a different approach or a different different uh, different game plan in this fight. I can't see anything changing. I think that Aldo's sharp jab and his ability to shut down Frankie Edgar's footwork being the difference in this fight. So I think if Aldo comes in with the same approach, the way he approached the first fight, and Frankie hasn't evolved or doesn't bring anything new to the table, I really can't see anything changing in this fight. Um I think, uh, well, when I've talked to some other people as well, especially about um, Frankie Edgar, a lot of people look at the Cub Swanson performance and think, well, if he can get it into that world, if he can take Aldo down. But if you look at Aldo's takedown defence, 
Uh, it's phenomenal. You look at the way he handled mm -hmm. um, uh, Chad Mendes, other fighters that have tried to take him down. He's got a really high percentage uh, of takedown defense. For me, that's that would be a great thing if, if Edgar could get it to that world. But Aldo's takedown defense, I think, will, 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 will negate that. The only other thing that, I, that, that for me sits in my mind is, um, and you might be able to, uh, uh, I, I wouldn't know if you'd be able to talk, talk about this, is uh, Jose Aldo coming off the type of loss he's come off of. Not just, um, uh, not just a devastating knockout, but the build-up that came before it. Um, all the stuff, the um, the people doubting him afterwards, the mm. the whole the size of the fall. That's what I'm really talking about. Um, this will be a test of of the man's character when he steps in there because it's a tough challenge with Frankie Edgar. Um, how do you see him reacting to all he's had to overcome since that loss? Yeah, so the knockout loss to Connor is is a variable that. Really, no one can predict the way that he's going to react to it. You know, that's one of those variables that we can't, you know, you could be a bookie and you could be planning these things and you're really just not going to know. It's yeah. going to be a guess until they get in there and we we see it for ourselves on the night. Yeah. It's anyone can speculate. Uh, it's one of these variables that we can't even calculate. You know, we can't even take into account the way he's going to resolve. You know, I can go back and I can look at technique and I can see whose technique. And these are these are cold, hard facts that I can make my predictions on. Yeah. But going back and speculating on something like that is just a variable that I can't put my finger on yeah. until I see it on the night and I see the way that Jose reacts to this. So I, ha I have to pick off the technique. I have to pick off the cold, hard facts. You know, I can't. I can't pick off emotion or pick off the way I might think that someone may have reacted. Sure. It's too too much of a variable yeah. to kind of hedge my bets on. Um, I, I can see, yeah, I agree. It's, it's that's that's what excites me about this as well. Just to see how he reacts, to see him walk in that cage, and to see what Aldo turns up. Uh, for me, I think Edgar has looked so good, and also this is this is a little bit of heart talking here. Uh, Edgar dropping down to this division and being overlooked so many times for uh, for title shots just really, really gets to me as an MMA fan because of the way he fights, the fights he's given us, the uh, um, uh, the early fights with BJ Penn going all the way through Gray Maynard, the Ben Henderson ones, all that right up until the, the fights he's given us now. For me, I would love to see him get something from that, but whether he can overcome uh, Jose Aldo is going to be a hell of a fight to watch. Um, I think just from saying that, I think if you're picking Aldo, I might pick Edgar and we'll see who wins at the end of this one. Uh, <laughs> uh, next up, we've got the little men to the bigger men. My goodness. Uh, uh, Velazquez versus Travis Brown. We'll touch on a couple more fights and then I'll, I'll let you go, my friend. Um, this is an interesting one in itself. Uh, Styles-wise, also Velazquez making it through a training camp, getting to the fight. Um, but seeing him drop from title fight to first card on the... Uh, uh, on the on the first fight on the main card, um, looks like the UFC are making him work his way back up that ladder if he's going to mm -hmm. um, uh, be in for a title shot again. How do you see this one playing out? Yeah, well, I, I really can't take anything away from Cain Velasquez's uh, technique, skill, and ability. I think he is of you know that that pound for pound talk. You know, he's of that top three, top five. 
pound for pound in the world talk, you know, the way I've seen Travis's career um, and his development is kind of stagnated, if not kind of going downhill since leaving Jackson's and uh, we're not seeing that same improvements that we've seen through Travis's career. Uh, this one, I'd, I'd have to pick Kane for this fight and I really think he's still of that world-class level and of that, that championship uh, pedigree. Yeah. And I don't I don't see Travis um, being of that pedigree just quite yet. Maybe if he makes the correct changes and makes the correct improvements uh, over the next few fights, but we'll see. But for my bets, I've, I've got it on Kane and his world championship pedigree for this fight. Um, I'll go with that one as well. I think uh, for the, for me, Travis didn't look great in the Mitrione fight. I thought he um, looked hesitant. I thought he got hit quite easily until the eye pokes came up uh, and that changed it, turned turned the fight for me um, with Mitrione. But I, I honestly think Velasquez will overwhelm him very early. I can almost see it was one of the most bloodiest fights I think I've ever seen. The Bigfoot versus Cain Velasquez fight, the second one. Um, I can see him doing this in pretty devastating fashion, looking to make that statement um, because that heavyweight title with what's happened with uh, um, uh, Miocic uh, getting the title now, um, it's wide open yet again for uh, for somebody to step in there and, and, and claim their spot in that division. Um, somebody who else you've trained with is fighting, and I'm so pleased to see her back, um, Kat Zingano versus Juliana Penna. Did you train with her at Elevation? Did you get some um, training in there? Yeah, uh, I was at the strain, uh, same striking school uh, and strain conditioning gym. Uh, so I did a lot of work with her, and so I'm going to be... Very biased on this fight. <laughs> At least you're uh, laying it out there. At least you're laying it out there, mate. That's good. Close, <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, she's just had a, a phenomenal uh, journey. I think Juliana Penner, for her first fight back in what is, I think, 16 months or something, roughly around that, 13 months, I might, might be wrong, um, but where, over a year anyway, is a tough, tough ask. Um, but I, I think Zingano... Up until that fight with Rousey was really showing the the class she had and the quality she did to Misha Tate what nobody has really done to uh, uh, to Misha Tate. Um, I think she's got a great skill set, and I think you could tell by the way Rousey um, consoled her after that fight that she knew that she that 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 was a mistake that had happened and that there was a, there was a world-class fighter in there. Uh, for me, it's just great with the story behind her to see her back um, in a UFC card. Uh, fighting, uh, headlining the prelims, uh, which is a great spot to be on FS1. Really, a lot of eyes put on it. Um, but I do think it's it's a, it's a tough fight coming back against Penne Penya. Sorry, um, I I I think if Katzingano has come back and she's even three quarters of the fight as she was before she left, uh, she can do this. But I think it's going to be uh, a long fight. I can see this going to decision. Do you see her finishing her or, or taking taking it on points? From what I've seen from Kat in the gym, when I was when I was with her, uh, once this news of this fight kind of came to turn, and uh, you know these things happened with Tate and Rousey and Holly, yeah. you know, these these changes in the division really sparked a fire and under her, you know, and I really saw a change in personality to this this hungry young lion that kind of is coming back 
and I really saw that fire kind of get switched on in Cat. So I'll be very surprised if uh, Penna makes the decision in this one. I see a hungry young Cat just pushing the pace and getting the finish in this one. Fantastic, mate. And uh, the, the last fight I'll get your thoughts on is uh, is one that just made me smile when I saw them put it together. Sanchez versus Lozon. Um, they've put it as the Fight Press uh, uh, early prelims headliner. Now, if Joe Rogan's um, if Joe Rogan's little sneaky preview into exactly what happens with the uh, the canvas between fights, with them having to paint over the blood uh, for the next ones, is anything to go by? I think they might have a busy job before the FS1 prelims start. This this has got uh, this has got uh, fight of the night written all over it. If they can uh, bring what we know that they can bring in certain uh, certain fights, were you excited about this one? Sanchez going up against Lozon? Yeah, this. This fight is ridiculous, you know, like two of, <laughs> two of the all-time gamers in yeah. UFC history getting matched against each other on the prelims. You know, it's, it's early on in the night and it's, it's the UFC knows exactly what they're doing and they know that they're going to really get things going in this one. Um, I think if it's so hard to call because I can say, <laughs> you know, if Luzon comes out and plays it smart and, you know, takes Sanchez down and pushes his grappling on Sanchez. But under these circumstances, to say that Luzon's going to come out and uh, take the easy option would be a fool's choice, you know. Yeah. I really think that Luzon's going to come out and just be looking to put on a show and <laughs> Be looking to steal fight of the night. You know, it's yeah. it's so hard to call. And I uh, I would have to say Lozon will be the smart money. But to say that he's coming going to come out and play it safe would be absolutely ridiculous on uh, UFC 200. I, I think you're so right when you said two of UFC's greatest ever gamers, which is exactly what they bring in. They're so, so up for the fight. They've got such skill behind them. Lozon's jiu-jitsu is phenomenal. Sanchez is a well-rounded fighter um, uh, when he's not got that mean mug on and he's not just swinging for the fences. He's actually technically very, very sound, but um, mm. when you see both of these flip the switch, they can create some of the best, the greatest moments uh, in the sport and in that cage. Um, tough one to pick. I think, same as you, I, I will go for Lozon um, based on the fact that I just think he might be able to keep his head a little bit more than Sanchez. But, <laughs> but you can never count Sanchez out, can you? That is that is the thing. Never. Um, so basically, throughout that whole car, mate, the only one we've differed on, that all our money is going on, so... Uh, uh, is the Edgar Aldo one. So either I'll be a very rich man or you'll you'll have a lot of debt after me. <laughs> uh, look, man, it's been so good doing this with you. This is, uh, honestly, the, the fight breakdowns you're doing, keep doing them because they're great to watch. They're great to uh, check it's out. Great. What's what's next for you in the cage? Let's find out that because uh, we can't wait to see you back in action, buddy. Yeah, well, I just kind of had my wedding and kind of kept a low profile since then but i've messaged the ufc since and i'm just waiting on that call uh, i don't know if you if you follow my page and you follow my training you know i i stay ready um year round and i'm i'm itching to get back in their cage man and and put on a show before the end of the year at least two more times oh fantastic so, as soon as the UFC gets uh, approaches me with a fight, you know, I've got my name already signed down on that dotted line, man. 
Oh, amazing. And uh, let people know where they can follow you as well so that they can check out these videos and they can keep up to date with what you're doing. And uh, honestly, if I will put the links up as well. Check out these videos because the, te the technical detail you break down some of these fights in, it makes me feel like, like I feel like I know a bit about fighting. And then you go, oh, the, there's about 14 other layers that I'm missing going on there, which is great. Uh, so where can people follow you and find out more? Yeah, well, follow me on uh, Dan Hangman Hooker on Facebook or YouTube. Uh, Dan Hooker is my, um, my uh, handle for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So get on and follow me on YouTube or Facebook and you'll be able to catch the videos. Wicked, mate. Well, look, you go enjoy the sun. I'm off to walk the dog in the rain. How's that sound for a swap, <laughs> all right? Yeah, it sounds good to me, mate. All right. Well, I'll speak to you soon, buddy. Thank you again for doing this, all right? Speak soon. No trouble. So there we have Dan Hooker. Big thanks to him to help me break down those cards. And you can see why I got him on the podcast. Uh, his eye for detail, the understanding of the technique, the game plans... Um, the differences, those millimetres that make a difference in this sport when you get to that level uh, is phenomenal. So check him out. Check him out on YouTube, Twitter. These little videos that he's doing are unbelievable. So uh, show him some support, show him some love and a big thanks again from me, Dan, for coming on the podcast uh, and uh, uh, spending that amount of time talking fights with me. So thank you to him. Uh, moving on, we've got two more fighters to go. Both fighters, big heavyweights um, uh, that are fighting at Bellator 158, headlining the prelims of this card and I was chuffed to speak to both of them. Uh, let's get them on the podcast then. First up, we have James, the juggernaut, Mulheron. So here we are once again with the Worldcast. That's right, it's me, Brian Lacey, and I'm joined by the juggernaut, James Mulheron. How are you, mate? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having us. No pleasure for having you, mate. Absolutely excited to have you on. It's been a uh, a roller coaster of a few uh, few weeks for you, my friend. Bellator 158 is coming up. You got the call, which must have been an amazing feeling. Uh, first of all, let's, let's let's talk about that before we talk about what's happened. Uh, when did you get the call, and uh, and what were your thoughts and feelings to to, to be offered uh, an opportunity on such a big fight card? Hey, I was over the moon uh, when I first found out about this. I I got a phone call off uh, Dale Percival, who's manager at the minute, and uh, he says that there's a fight could be happening here on uh, Bellator in uh, July time, he says. He, um, obviously, I was ecstatic, and uh, I said straight away, yeah. And uh, it was to fight Gobbia, was the, um, straight away, that was like the name he gave us straight away, was to fight Mark. Um, so it was just amazing. It was just like finally, like, Doing like MMA for like nine years finally paid off. We had quite a big show in a big arena in front of like friends and families, so I was excited. Uh, very excited indeed, mate. And then, then uh, it sort of took a bit of a twist, which I want to talk to you about. Obviously, uh, Mark Godbeer came off the card, there were some issues around that. We won't get stuck into that too much, but from your point of view, that was almost that dream taken away, I suppose. Uh, was there any fear that, that that you might not get to fight on this card, or did they keep you posted and say we will get you a fight? Don't worry, you will be on this card no matter what. I know they were great. Um, the, the matchmakers. I mean, like obviously Mark had his own personal issues why he pulled out. It's not for me to say um, it's wrong or not. It's his personal issues. You know what I mean? He feels like he's been um, treated unfairly. He's got to pull out. So, uh, but Bellator to me they were brilliant. They, they 
It's not a panic. Uh, I'd still be fighting. So um, it was. It was almost. It was like a bit deflated at first when I found out it pulled out. Um, it was just. It was more the so the fact that friends and family had paid money to go and watch me fight in this arena. There were the old two, sorry, um, and they weren't going to get to see us. And it was just like that. That was the most heart wrenching thing for us. That like people who had paid all this money to go and watch us and. It was uh, it was upsetting, but obviously they were great. And uh, it was like Chris Orba, um the matchmaker. He, he told us not to panic, and um, I'd uh, I'd be on the cards. So don't worry. So I kept myself fit, and uh, I trained as if like everything was like nothing had changed. Um, and then obviously um, the Neil Gross come up, so I was over the moon when that come up. That's that's exciting as well because um, I I can't imagine Neil Groves would have been on your radar as far as possible opponents. You will have maybe known the landscape of uh, heavyweights that were out there, but this surprised all of us. Neil, the Goliath Groves, stepping back uh, out of retirement to to come and take a, a fight on Bellator against you. Um, did you know much about Neil before you uh, you found out that he'd accepted the fight? <clears throat> oh yeah, I, I mean I've watched there. Uh, I've watched Neil for years. When I say when I first started there. Uh, like just being an amateur fighter, and I used to watch Neil, like to Neil and uh, Neil Wayne when I first started. And they were like, the guys who would watch and like look up to as a fighter. You know what I mean? Great. Uh, so like the likes of fighting people who have fought in the past, they were guys who I'd watched, they'd grown up and enjoyed the sport, or like kind of like role models for us. So again, like fighting Neil is like almost like fighting like a role modelly sort of kind of person as well. So it's more. Well, pleasure to be fighting someone like that, to be like on the like, big stage, uh, massive arena, fighting him. So it's an honour, really. Like, so I'm excited to go and just get out of business. Uh, it is exciting. It's great to see him back, and it's it's fantastic that this gives you uh, that opportunity as well. It's brilliant to hear that uh, he was one of the sort of heavyweights that you looked up to. Were there others um, as you were finding your way in this MMA game? Were there other heavyweights out there that sort of inspired you, or you you've modelled your style on? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, uh, Daniel Cormier was like a uh, person who like always looked up to, um, and like uh, Neil Wayne, obviously, because like, the same similar sort of, like stamp height wise, and um, and obviously like I love Mark Hunt. Mark Hunt's like what, probably my favorite fighter at the minute. Like I love him at the minute. Yeah, <laughs> um, I mean, who doesn't? You know what I mean? Everyone loves him at the minute. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and now you've got a different opponent. Did you have to change your style much? Because obviously uh, it's, it's difficult to watch current tape on Neil and, and to see where he is as a fighter now. I know he continues to train. He does the uh, the personal training as well. So, um, um, I, I mean, as far as your training is concerned, did you have to do anything? Have you changed much or are you just concentrating on you for this fight? Nah, not at all. Just exactly the same. Um, it's like I said, Neil's a dangerous opponent. Same as... Um, like Mark is so like nothing's changed like uh, like game plan wise and training wise everything's exactly the same. Uh, like I say most of my fight that like I don't basically train on like the opponent. I basically train on me being the best I can in the fight. It's not about like uh, adapting to their like you know what I mean. Like changing training to try and like adapt to the fighter. Um, I like to just basically train around myself and uh, just train to be best ability and. Um, and that hopefully shows and I'll be fighting up fight on fighting. Um one thing I did see on your on your Facebook, it looks like you've incorporated a new sport in your training. Uh so you're doing a bit of golf, was it yesterday, mate? Yeah, I've got a good play um well golf is probably my second love in the world, like uh obviously with MMA. Um 
that's the first thing if I have kids I'll probably first thing they're going to have in the hands is golf stick um, <laughs> I love golf golf's take me uh, my passion behind them and me that's, that's brilliant come on let's with shoulders like yours mate how far can you drive a ball <sighs> I, I kind of drive very fast it's all technique <laughs> yeah, I just, uh, I'm just nice and straight down the middle just nice and just steady away okay. nothing too that's just steady away come on then what's your handicap as well mate let's, let's see where you really are uh, well, uh, I hit um, round the course, like the local course in Shields. I hit uh, 88 round that. That's my best score ever. I said if I can get down in the 80s uh, during the summer, this summer, I said I'll be happy. So I've hit my target. But now, obviously, like golf's out the way and down to business the last like, couple of weeks of the fight down. Although I'd love to be playing, but... <laughs> That's funny. That's brilliant. I just love the two differences in the sport. One is, uh, uh, well, both obviously take technique and everything like that. But the uh, the gentle walk around the golf course compared to uh, stepping in a cage. That's is that is that the two sides. I mean, what are you like outside of the cage? Because you seem very chilled. Golf is a big passion of yours. Uh, are you a big cuddly bear outside the cage and just a monster inside it? Is that is that the way it goes? Yeah, that's just. I mean, if you ask your friends, it's just. I'm the way I am all the time. I don't change. It just, uh, I mean, like MMA to me, it's just it's like take a job for it at the minute. You know what I mean? It, I, I'm, I'm so grateful I use it as a job, but like outside of it, it doesn't like fighting. I don't really like enjoy it. If, it's not, if you're not getting paid for it, what's the point? You know what I mean? That's yeah. what I like kind of say. So uh, like that's why I like just nice chill things, golf, like going for meals and just chilling. Well, obviously after my fights, having a few beers. Not several, not a few loads. <laughs> Good on you, mate. Yeah. Uh, and let's talk about the support you've got up there because you, uh, you've got a huge following up there in the, in the northeast. Uh, Made for the Cage has obviously been your home uh, as a pro fighter. You're their heavyweight champ. Um, the support you get and uh, from people that I know that, that work at the event and also fans that go and watch it, uh, you've got a huge wave of fans that you've, you've grown and built over your uh, MMA career. Um, and it sounds like quite a lot of following you down. How many, how many are making the trip all the way from the northeast down to uh, uh, us, us soft southerners down at the O2? Um, hopefully, roughly, want to get about ninety people down or something. Wow! Um, it's just it's just the fact there the traveling, but like uh, people. I mean, if it was in the if it was close to Manchester, say or like Newcastle, obviously I'd pack the place out. It's just the fact London. Um, it, it's a lot of money to ask for somebody to go down for the weekend. It's going to cost them at least six hundred odd quid just for a weekend. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. Like, I, I don't think, like, obviously, like, compared to what I normally sell, I, I don't really think Palato like, realise, like, how much of a travel it is for someone in the northeast to just go down to uh, London and just splash out nearly a grand on a half uh, weekend away. You know what I mean? People got mortgages and they've probably got holidays to pay for. Yeah, yeah. So, um, That's but a... I've got, like, I, I've got family and friends and that going down, so it's just, um, just put it show for them. That's all I'm, I'm so excited to just get down and just show all them and just do them all proud in the, um, the 16. That's still a great following though, mate. Like you said, it's, it's a big expense to come all that way. Just having it, to have nearly 100 people follow you down, that must feel fantastic. Um, obviously, it's, it's, this is going to be the biggest fight of your career. Uh, as far as... Um, dealing with those nerves as far as going from a, 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 an all due respect to a smaller show like Made for the Cage into the O2 Arena. Um, how are you managing those nerves? Are you are you closing your eyes and picturing that walkout uh, 
every time you go to sleep. Yeah, yeah, I, I do. Uh, I, I visualize everything I do. Um, I, I like that's a massive part of the game. Visualize them, see everything before it happens, and um, so like when the night comes, the night of the fight, everything that happens uh, leading up to the fight already happened in my head. Nothing comes as a surprise. You, you set yourself ready for the worst case scenarios. You pick up a little niggle. You, your hand wraps don't feel right. You go into the arena and you, you know, like nobody's walking out and you fight song. Someone's grabbing you. And, you know what I mean? Or like things like that. You, like I visualize everything. So nothing that comes as a surprise to me. So um, there comes the fight. I'm ready for that. So like everything else is just, it's fine. Just take it in your stride. And it's, it, it, it's, it's exciting, you know what I mean. It's obviously, obviously, anybody, any human being will get nervous, obviously. But uh, it's it's the fact it's like such a privilege, it's an honour to someone from South Shields to be fighting in the London O2 Arena. I don't know if anyone from South Shields has done it, like where I live. But like for me, it's like a massive thing. I feel that like say I fought down there, and, like people have come down to um, see us fighting that so. The pleasure, really, you know what I mean? It's, I'm nervous, but I'm so excited just to get there to honour. Uh, you, you gave me tingles then, man, thinking about that. That's a, uh, uh, an exciting way of looking at it. And um, as far as you talk about the visualisation part of your game, uh, that that's it's great to hear that you do that because the mind game is, is so important. I talk to so many fighters and they say making sure you're, uh, you're, you're training that part of your body as well as the physical side is very important. But talk about your training as well. Uh, you're you're, you're a, a, a strong heavyweight. I've seen in a, uh, an interview you've done uh, this year, you've, you've really put on some, some strength and some muscle uh, as well as some weight. You were, you were at 265, I think, um, at one point this year and you were talking about feeling uh, as fit and as fast as you've ever done before. Uh, I mean, what do you yeah. put that down to? What's uh, been able to put that sort of muscle on and, and still perform in the way you have been able to do over the last uh, year or so? Yeah, just, just training hard and just um, just eating plenty, really. I've cut a bit of weight. Like, I think I'm only like 150, yeah, about 112, 113 kilos. Like, um, so I'm absolutely lightning at the minute. The, um, like, I'm so fast and just like, I've been, uh, I, I didn't realise, like, obviously, just how much I've been training, obviously, just eating constantly and just weights dropping off. It's not realising them. Because, I mean, like, realistically, the height of it is and everything, I, I, like, I probably could be a middleweight or, like, you know what I mean, like a light heavy top. So, like, like I, that, that's a problem at the minute. I'm, I'm struggling to keep weight on because I'm, like, doing that much training. So, um but which is not always a bad thing because I can eat as much as I want back in the pile of food in. So <laughs> that's a great thing, mate. There's, there'll be bantam weights listening to that, just licking their lips, wishing they could have something to eat. Uh, what 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 sort of, what, what sort of calorie intake are you doing in a day, or what's what's your meal plan look like? How many times are you eating to maintain or to keep this sort of weight on? Yeah, I probably eat about four times a day, about roughly about three and a half to. Yeah, about three and a half thousand calories probably a day. I'm probably having. Wow, that's all right, isn't it? That's that's yeah. good. Who does that cooking? Are you doing that all yourself? Oh, I'm a canny chef. I'm a canny chef. <laughs> that's all good uh, I've seen an interview with Neil Grove as well talking about this fight um, obviously you're on your headline in the, the prelims uh, as, it, as it stands now um, he said the way Bellator works uh, obviously it would be a um, 
uh, there's there's a likelihood that there'll be a gap on that main card if some of the fights get finish early for a fight to be bumped up. He's called uh, for you to bring it so that uh, uh, you two can put on that sort of show. I mean, uh, what's your response to that? <coughs> yeah, I'll be bringing it. I I want to get on the telly. I'll be bringing it. Um, yeah, it is. I I heard his interview. Um, I know he taught us um, that the, like the best fight on the prelim. End up getting them um, live on telly, so or get shown on the telly, whatever. Um, I so no shadows in my mind, like I'm um, I'm ready to get on telly, like make the show people where they should be on telly. Fantastic. And uh, uh, is this a, a single fight contract you got with Bellator? Have they signed you to a multi fight deal? No, it's just a single, um, just a single fight. A few of the most of the English lads. Yeah, uh, they've got the prelims and that. Obviously, like they like to make a page and uh, daily and that. They, uh, they are obviously multi-fight contracts, but uh, lots of the lads, obviously, just with being on an English card, they've um, they just signed them to like one fight deals. Uh, well, it's still exciting as far as a showcase and the opportunity because uh, if you manage to shine a light on yourself with your performance on this one, um, the door could be open there to, uh, to, to a multi-fight deal with this, with this organisation. I mean, uh, are you already dreaming of maybe fighting in America? Are you already getting those thoughts in your head of, of what's next or are you purely focused at the task at hand? Yeah, obviously I've focused on the task at hand, but it always like it claims to me mind in the future, obviously like being positive and thinking, yeah, definitely in America and getting like um my friends and my cornermen over there that'll be like another dream for troopers. But um at the minute O two arena that's me um it's another dream come true so let's get this one out of the way first. And uh, let's concentrate the next one. How exciting, how exciting. I also saw on your uh, uh Facebook there's a, a picture of you with your lovely lady. Have you recently got engaged? And all being engaged someone else asked that it's because I said it's a profile picture that's right. got married <laughs> we've got engaged like um not not Christmas gone the one before. Oh, okay. Um a proper question. She said yeah. But um there's still the um wedding plans like on the horizon. Just um just waiting to win the lottery or someone just say, Yeah, there's a million quid and, <laughs> or Bellator, Bellator might you know Bellator might just say, Oh, there's a few quid going there. Uh, I was gonna say somebody'll have their eye on your fight bonus if uh, if you get the win bonus there as well, mate. Oh. Uh, do you know anything about the win bonus? Is there a win bonus? I, uh, like not out. I have no idea to be honest, mate. But I can just imagine that if uh, you put a good performance on, they'll be looking after fighters. So uh, um, that's that's just me guessing. I don't know anything about whether Bellator do the uh, the, the, the fight bonus things. Uh, but I will. I do know that if they see a fighter that they like, uh, they will be looking to sign him up. So um, uh, that's exciting. So how long have you been with your lady for? Was she with you before cauliflower ears or after cauliflower ears? Oh, she's been with us for years. She's, she's had the fucking, the good, the bad, the extra fat. She's had the skinny James, <laughs> the heavy James. And that's how she's been with us through thick and thin, eye. But uh, that, 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 that's it, she did. Uh, the headline this is uh, Bella, uh, James Hall Bellator um, funds his wedding. <laughs> <laughs> well, mate. Dream uh... come true, but James. <laughs> that's funny that's fantastic well mate I, it's a dream come true already for you to be recognised everybody uh, who's been watching the UK and the, the local scene know how good you are and we're excited to see the God Beer and you fight come together even more excited to see that you've uh, you've managed to stay on the card and Neil Groves uh, stepped up for this one um, anything you want to say to your fans before uh, uh, before this event and uh, uh, who followed you all this this way through this MMA journey 
Tweet, no worries. Well, look, mate, we're so excited. July 16th, it happens. Well, my dad as well. Don't, don't forget, Pops. Sorry, sorry, my dad and Davey Hall, my pad man as well. Totally forgot about my dad and Davey Hall, all right? Yeah, as well. <laughs> You'd be in trouble if you forgot that one, mate. That's an important yeah. one. Uh, look, uh, honestly, we're so excited for you. July 16th is happening. Bellator 158 and uh, uh, down at the O2. It's gonna, I'm sure the 90 uh, strong that are coming down from the northeast they are going to make themselves heard. Uh, we, know, we know what you've been capable of. Uh, for a very, very many, uh, for the length of your career now, it's been evident that you've you've been on the path uh, to something bigger, and I hope this is the start for something else, mate. So uh, all the best for July 16th, and we'll talk to you again after the fight. All right. Nice one, mate. Really appreciate it. So there we have James Mel Heron. Big thanks to him for coming on the podcast. Uh, very excited that he's got this opportunity. And his opponent uh, for this fight at July 16th at the O2 for Bellator 158. And my next podcast guest is the one, the only, Neil the Goliath Grove. Uh, so here I am, it's Brian Lacey back with the Wocast. And I'm joined by Neil the Goliath Grove. How are you, mate? I'm all good, Brian. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure, man. You're on the go. I'm guessing you are between sessions, between sparring or strength and conditioning or something, because this has been a hell of a week for you, mate, hasn't it? Yes, it has. It has. I um, got the message last week, Monday, uh, asking me if I wanted to fight that better talk, which is something I actually prompted a few months before when I heard that James Thompson was fighting Kimbo. And um, obviously, since then, Kimbo has passed away, sadly, and uh, didn't hear anything either from my two my two previous managers, uh, Paul Hennessy and Ken Clavier. So um, on Monday, I got a call from Dan O'Donnell, which was a shock. 
uh, didn't know that he was actually working or, you know, sort of uh, getting fighters into the, onto the show. And he said to me, did you want to fight? And I, I was desperate. I wanted to fight anyway. Um, but on two weeks' notice, I sort of said to him, okay, give me, give me a few minutes. Um, so I spoke to my, my coach, my head coach, Steve Gladstone at Semtex Gym in Welling. And um, I said to him, I want to come and hit some pads with you, and I want you to be honest with me. Within a round or two, I need you to tell me what do you think I could fight in two weeks' time. And um, well, the rest is history, as you know. And uh, sort of signed the contract on the Tuesday. And uh, here I am, training, training twice a day, training like I'm, uh, you know, in the business full time, and I'm not. <laughs> Um, so yeah, coming out of retirement in 2013, both me and my coach sat one day, uh, we were in Russia and, um, I got, I lost a, a fight on points there because of, uh, point deduction. Um, I think it was really hard for the Russians to explain to me what I couldn't, what I couldn't do. And, um, we both just decided to call it a day and I sort of trained, I continued training, but when you train and when you train for a fight, it's two different things. And, uh, I walk around 300 pounds quite easily and if I go on holiday I can put on another 20-30 pounds quite easily um, <laughs> so yeah when I uh, got this call up I think the, the, the first question was can I make weight now um, I'm in the business obviously of uh, helping people with nutrition and I'm a trainer personal trainer so yeah for me to go and cut uh, 30 odd pounds in two weeks yes I'll make weight wow um, what what a roller coaster! What what a um, an opportunity as well. I mean, first of all, let's just go back in stages. What's it like getting a phone call from Dave O'Donnell? Because people who don't know him, he's a, he's a bit of a character, um, well established on the MMA scene over here. Uh, what, what what exactly did he say to you? I mean, because he's 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 a very different human being, isn't he? He is, and I love him for it. Yeah. Um, you know, my first conversation with with him was in uh, two thousand and seven. Same sort of thing. He said to me, all right, he says, uh, I understand you uh, do a bit of cage fighting. Um, and the thing is, Andy Gear, he's a partner at the time with Cage Rage. He saw me train once in um, Kent. And um, obviously, I sort of said to him, I'd like to contend, because I think they did Cage Rage contenders in those days. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, he said to him, yeah, get a couple of fights below your belt, and then uh, we'll see if he'll put you on there. And I think um, there, was a, there was a situation again with James Thompson where um, he was meant to fight, I'm trying to think who it was, Chemo. And Chemo, Chemo got uh, injured, and then there was another one who got injured as well, another fighter. And um, I was a two-day late replacement. I had two days notice for the fight. And um, he said... Me, uh, would you like to fight? I said, Give me five minutes. I called my sensei at the time because I hadn't met Steve yet. And I said to him, There's this fight. And everybody said, Well, well you know what? You're not, you haven't trained for it. And you've got nothing to lose. And uh, so I called my wife. I called my family. They all said, Don't be stupid. You're going to get your head knocked off. You know who James Thompson is. Um, but I, I had nothing to lose. So um, I took the fight because um, my first two fights was at Circus Tavern, and I think what is a hundred pound person, a hundred and fifty pound purse was the second fight. So not a lot of money. I made more money selling tickets, and um, I think this purse was—I shouldn't really say how much it was, but it was—it was more than ten times that. And yeah. um, I ended up um, taking the fight in two days. You know what? 
um, whatever happened on that day, knocking James Thompson out in 10 days, it, it, it made Dave O'Donnell like me, I suppose. So him and I had a really good relationship. Um, even though, you know, even after Cage Rage became UCMMA, uh, and then once I sort of won their title in 2008, um, he's, he's been good ever since. You know, I went and I fought in the UFC, got cut uh, because of a bad injury, came back six months later, fought for David Donald again. Um, because of two really good fights I had for him, I got signed up with Bellator. And when I, when I finished with Bellator, I went back, came back to the UK because I, I trained in America for a year uh, amongst all the wrestlers over there. And um, he just offered me a fight again. So whenever Dave's in trouble or Dave's looking for a helping hand, I'm there. Oh, mate. <laughs> what, what, what a wonderful story that is because he's, uh, he's obviously been a, a, a very big part of your MMA career and very supportive part. And we love him. We absolutely love Dave O'Donnell. He's, uh, he's a special man. Uh, and it's great that he made the call that gave you this opportunity. Um, you said it was just two rounds of, uh, of pads that made you decide that you could do this or let your coach decide that you would be up for this. Um, you retired in uh, 2013. What have you been doing in between? What's what's uh, yeah? What, what's life been like outside the cage? And how busy have you kept with the training, with the techniques, and with the, the fitness? Well, Brian, I don't know if you know, but um, I sort of became a Herbalife member. Yeah. A uh, couple, of, couple of weeks before my, my last fight uh, for UCMMA in 2012, which was an interim title fight. And um, I... I learned that I find it my best at 120 kgs, so 265. Yeah. And um, for that fight, again, I, you know, I was slightly overweight. <laughs> I was 300 pounds. So it took me a while to lose the weight, and somebody approached me online. Um, and the products helped me, uh, not just through cutting the weight, but obviously giving me more energy, um, making me recover quicker, because, you know, when you're in your 40s, things start slowing down. And um, ever since then, I've been helping guys cut weight, lose weight, sort of get leaner, uh, well, ladies as well. And I've been teaching and coaching. I've been doing some MMA coaching, some um, striking coaching and stuff like that from my own studio in Billericay and um, in Essex, if you don't know where Billericay is. <laughs> <laughs> and um, um, I've got a small studio gym there. Uh, we call it All About Wellness. And... Um, that's what I've been doing. I've been staying sort of, sort of fit, but not fighting fit. There's a massive difference. Yeah, sure. And um, I, every now and then, when I've got time, I drive through to Kent and I'll go see Steve for some pad work. Um, I think it's more to do with talking rubbish most of the time. But um, <laughs> as you do, with your, <laughs> as you do with somebody you've spent time with in hotels and, and and different countries. You know, he's been with me in America. He's been with me in Canada, Russia, India. He's been he's been everywhere with me, and. Um, yeah, you know, this opportunity to fight uh, for Bellator, it's not, it's not a big thing for me fighting for Bellator, as you know. I fought in their yeah. first tournament and uh, fought in the finals and lost against Carl Conrad. But I had a fantastic time with him, um, with the previous owner, Bjorn Redney and stuff. I, I had a, a great time with Bellator and to fight for them again in front of a home crowd, is, it's just an opportunity nobody would want to miss. Um, it's, it's... Fighting at the O2s is... is It'll be my second fight there, and it's it's I'm zero and one at the moment. I want to make it one one. Going to level the score. Um, well, the, uh, yeah. the the other thing that I've been following as well is you've been doing a little YouTube um, vlog, which is the the last few um, 
a few weeks, the last few days, really, that you've been... It's been, it's been good to watch, man, because, first of all, uh, Herbal Life looks like it's playing a big part in it. I saw the uh, the porridge with the cookies and cream in, which looked delicious, by the way, man. Um, yeah, did you manage... look, if you, if you don't like porridge, that cookies and cream makes it really, really good. <laughs> well, did you, manage to, did you manage to get any? Because I saw two little, uh, uh, two little hungry uh, uh, minions running around you looking like they're going to nick most of your porridge. <laughs> Oh yeah, you look. Uh, they they surprise me every now and then in front of uh, when I'm sort of trying video stuff. I didn't <laughs> stay out of the room, and um, but they 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 love their porridge and they love it even more when there's cookies and cream in it. And I think uh, you know it's I'm I'm happy uh, sharing the product with them. I know there's a lot of booha about the product, but um, what it's done for me and what I've seen what it's done for my clients and knowing that there are some really serious nutritionists with, with PhDs. Uh, endorsing the pro- the products and and formulating the products, I'm happy giving it to my kids. Yeah. Um, I've been a PT for 15 years, Brian, and um, I, I've tried all different types of ways of helping my clients. You know, with the glycemic index diets, with the caveman diet or paleo diet, whatever you want to call it. Um, it it all just stems down to finding something that you're um, comfortable with and that you can be consistent with. Um, I'm, I'm not a fan of diets. I've given up on, on trying diets. All I'm doing now is just eating clean uh, and passing that on to my clients. And uh, for those who, who are finding it hard to um, prepare their meals for the day, uh, a supplement is best. And um, I just find Herbalife the best option. Uh, well, it obviously looks like it helps you in a number of ways because the other thing that I spotted from this uh, video blog you've been doing is you actually look in, like to say it's two weeks now, it's fantastic shape. I've seen uh, uh, your strength and conditioning coach give you the nod and the, uh, the approval there that he's happy with what he's seeing. I've also seen that you've been training at 3 a.m. till 6 a.m. Um, have you missed those early morning sessions? Have, is there any point where the alarm's gone off and you thought, what the hell am I doing getting up at this time again to, uh, uh, to go through all this again? Mate, um, I am a strange character when it comes to that. I'm actually a morning person. Yeah. Um, so I, I can get up at four or five o'clock in the morning. I think uh, last week there was a couple of times when I woke up at four. Even though I went to bed late, like 11 o'clock, I was up at four and itching to go. So um, I am definitely a morning person. Um, I get up, I sort of get ready, um, you know, freshen myself up. I'll have my shake on the way to the gym. And then um, while I'm training... You know, I sort of look forward to the rest of the day. I, um, I'm going I'm to be honest, mate. That, that, is strange. that is strange. Four in the morning and feeling good. That's horrific. <laughs> how, does your, how, how does your family cope with this? This man dancing around the house at four in the morning. That's good. <laughs> no, I, I try and be as quiet as I can, I suppose, you know, with two little ones. Um, and my, me and my wife have our own businesses. So my wife works long hours like I do. Um, you know, and she's been very supportive of this. I think uh, towards the end of my career, before I, I retired, she was also saying to me, look, I think this call of the day. And um, I think it was, I didn't tell her that I took the fight. And uh, she sort of found out, found out herself through Facebook. And she said to me, are you sure you ought to be doing this? <laughs> and um, You're a brave man. Have, <laughs> you're a brave man. I know, I know. And uh, But she, she has been um, right behind me, very supportive for this one. She um, gave me a couple of looks the other day, and she said to me, "I think you can, no, I think I know you, you can win this. You're going to win this this fight. Um, go for it." So, with you know what, any any fighter wants that. They want their family behind them, and uh, especially with wives, because obviously wives have to put up with fighters 
uh, hormonal changes towards the fight. Yeah. I don't know if you know anything about, yeah. about it, but you know, there's a lot of testosterone in the house. Um, and uh, my, my wife has been absolutely amazing through this. Wow. Uh, my kids sort of get it because um, they, they, they're opening up their mum's iPad and watching fights and stuff like that, and they start <laughs> mauling each other on the floor. And I, I get sort of calm, um, and but I don't have a fuse anymore, unfortunately. I said, you know, and you sort of, I'm calm and calm and calm, and then all of a sudden it's just, I'll explode. So, um, but yeah, no, my wife, Emeline, has been very supportive. Um, she's helping me out more with the kids because because of our businesses we sort of take turns of doing stuff with the kids. Yeah, sure. Uh, picking them up from school and uh, taking them to school and getting them ready. So um, it's just for two weeks. So I think you'll find this quite easy. Where it's normally I'd like eight weeks, at least six to eight weeks uh, to prepare for a fight. Um, so I think this one's a little bit more bearable, and, and the fact that we are going on holiday sort of a month after this fight makes it uh, even sweeter. Fantastic. Uh, and let's talk about the fight now, because um, uh, James Mulheron is uh, is your opponent. Um, you've obviously kept within the MMA scene, within uh, uh, health, fitness, you've obviously kept your toe in that water. Have you had your eye on the, the, the MMA scene? Did you know much about James before you um, saw he was going to be your opponent? Yeah, I think, you know what, uh, James and I spoke not too long ago uh, via Facebook. We made friends. I'm friends with everybody in, in MMA, especially the heavyweights. And uh, obviously with my business through Herbalife, I've approached every fighter I know and said to them, you know, if you ever want to uh, try a supplement, we do trials and stuff like that if, you, if you're happy to try it. And I sort of explained to him what it was about. Um, a lot of fighters get sponsored. Um, and I think I had the same sort of mentality when it came to sponsorship. You want something, you want it for free. And if you can, get the money with it even better. Um, but as soon as you learn that, that with uh, a company like I mentioned Herbal quite a lot in this interview, but it's a multi-level marketing company. So um, um, if you learn that you can actually make money through helping people as well as, because, you know, during a sponsorship, you only sponsor for as long as you fight. And the minute you're injured or you stop uh, participating, those sponsorships leave you. And not a lot of these uh, supplement companies would actually give you money. They just give you product or they give it to you at a discount. Yeah. Now with uh, with 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 Herbalife, I just learned that uh, it's something that I could take with me forever, and I could pass it on to people below me and and teach them how to do it, and and in the process you you start earning a, a residual income, so royalties. So long after you stop fighting, you'll still be earning money from it. Um, so I had these sort of conversations with him, and then um, when I took the fight, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday, he actually messaged me and said to me, thank you so much for taking this fight. I didn't know that, uh, I didn't know anymore if I was going to have a fight or not. And um, thanks for stepping up. And I said to him, mate, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, let's just put on a show and and um, give them something to put on them on the uh, on the main event because obviously we are the last fight of the uh, prelims. Um, and knowing how Bellator works, because um, in 2011, I actually uh, went and stayed in Kansas City for a long time where um, the late Rob Biner, uh, who used to work for Bellator, and uh, Sean Wheelock, who was the um, play-by-play commentator. He's not anymore, but um, they, they actually sat with me, and they, there was a position as a, as a color commentator going and uh, with Bellator, because everybody sort of had their contracts renewed, and I know that um, they were looking for a new one. So I went and I studied uh, color commentating through these guys, 
and uh, you sort of learn a little bit more about the production. Yeah. And um, they sort of make enough space, enough room for their recordings for, you know, at their five, five fights in the main, event, main, uh, main card for three five-minute rounds. Sure. And, um, or, you know, if there's a title fight, there's, you know, have five five-minute rounds. There's enough time, plus the adverts, uh, and some chatting by the commentators um, for the whole production. Yeah, yeah. Now, if somebody goes, somebody goes and knocks somebody else out in within the first round or second round, there's going to be time left. So, um, having this conversation with with James, I said, you know what, let's put on a good show, put on put on a good fight, and if we if it's quick <laughs> from either one of us, um, they'll stick us on the main event. So. Um, more, yeah, more expect, exposure, expect, that's good, isn't it? That'd be yeah, great to yeah, work your way in there, exactly. Expect a good fight from both of us. I think um, he's up for it, I'm up for it. He's one of those kind of fighters. He's a brawler. Um, I'm pretty much that too, with more of a counter, counter fighter. And um, it's going to be a good show, good fight. Um, I spoke to James as well a little bit earlier, and uh, he's got a massive amount of respect for you. He, he cited you as one of the fighters that he... Uh, when he was getting into the game, he was looking up to, and this isn't to make you feel old, mate, I do apologise, uh, but he, he was talking about just um, just your fighting style and what you've done in the sport. Uh, he had a huge amount of respect for you, and he said um, uh, the fact that it's you that's, that stepped in to, to make this this fight happen, to, to continue to let him have his dream of fighting at the O2 uh, on a big show is, is a massive thing for him, and I thought that was fantastic to hear that... Um, there was that amount of respect uh, from both of you now that bet between each other. But exactly what you said, he said, uh, um, we've mentioned that if we can put on a good show, we might get onto the main card. Um, so he's looking to bring it. So, I mean, the juggernaut colliding with the Goliath. Uh, are we set for fireworks, mate? <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know what? Um, I like the kid. I think he's, um, he's, he's an up-and-coming fighter. He's got a long career ahead of him. Um, I'm probably going to be one of the toughest opponents to date, and um, I've, I've got huge respect for him too for um, for taking it, you know, and accepting me as his opponent. Uh, I'm sure that I'm sure that James would have taken anybody on, um, but him being polite and being nice about it, I've I've always been, I wouldn't say gentleman in the sport, but I've obviously been respectful to, towards all my previous opponents before and after fights. I'm I'm huge. Huge fan of a lot of the guys that I've, I've fought against and and friends with them as well. Um, just recently, we were on a on a on a on a cruise and we went to Croatia. And I don't know if you can remember, but I fought a guy called Dominic Ostic, who was the Croatian kickboxing champion uh, in his day. He's a uh, six foot seven. He's about an inch taller than me. He's, he's a massive bloke. Yeah. And uh, I I took his. He, he was my second fight in uh, on Cage Rage. I think it was Cage Rage twenty. Seven or 28, I'm not too sure. And um, that fight lasted about 26, 27 seconds. Um, I, I mean, I watched his fights, his kickboxing, kickboxing matches, and he, he was knocking guys out left, right, and center with his, with his kicks. And I wasn't going to go stand toe-to-toe. I'm pretty sure everybody expected a toe-to-toe fight with him, and I sort of uh, suplexed him, got him on the ground, and um, ground and pounded him out. But um, when we went to Croatia, um, I, I rang him up, and I said to him, I'm going to be in split. He says, fantastic, I'm in split. <laughs> and, um, and we landed there with, with a cruise. It was a Herbalife holiday, by the way, that they paid for. And um, we spent the day with 
him. You know, it was it was amazing. He said to me, the day that you knocked me out, he said, you became the most popular man in Split. <laughs> 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 and um, I had a, an entourage with me. I had about 10 of our friends from Herbalife with me. And uh, wherever we went, Dominic took us. And um, wherever we went, we didn't have to pay to enter. He sort of knew everybody. And we saw all the attractions for free. It was an wow. absolute amazing day. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm big buds with him too. Um, you know, if it was a kickboxing match, that boy would have kicked the shit out of me. But, um, but, um, but you're allowed to suplex, yeah. so that's okay. <laughs> but, but it's great. Yeah, that... you know what? Go on. It's, it's great to be friend, friendly and friends with the guys afterwards, you know. So yeah. um, I, I enjoy the sport. It's, it's a sport at the end of the day. It's not like you're going in there and killing each other. So Absolutely. Uh, it's... Uh, and, yeah, it's good fun. And just to us, before I let you go, thank you for the time as well, mate. I do appreciate it. I know you're, uh, you're up against it as far as you've got to fit all this training and, and life into, uh, into the world in this last couple of weeks before, before the actual fight. Um, but what I wanted to ask was, um, uh, is this going to be a one and done? Are you looking at uh, maybe, is this, is this stepping back in or, or are you going to just uh, walk away after you get one more taste of it at the O2? I spoke to Phil Williams, who's the uh, the boss of uh, Attack Productions, who's uh, helping Bellator out with this show. Yeah. And um, we are all really crossing our fingers and hoping that the show is going to pay off and there's going to be a fantastic show and there's going to be a lot of people there. Um, so if it is, Bellator will definitely be back. And if they are back and uh, all goes well, I'd be happy to fight again. Absolutely happy to fight again. As long as it's not in five years' time or two yeah. years' time. Yeah. Uh, hopefully before the end of the year. It'd be fantastic. Um, yeah. And uh, I mean, I'm 45 young. I've looked after myself, you know, um, kept myself clean. And um, I haven't had some devastating injuries or anything like that. You know, a couple of broken ribs and broken hands and stuff like that. That, that of course, but that goes with the game. But um, I've... I've kept myself in, 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 in the fittest I can. And um, if, if there's another show within the next year or so, I'll be happy to fight again. Well, mate, it's fantastic to have you back. It's really exciting to see you back on the scene and, uh, and in this fight as well. You, you and James are going to put on a hell of a show. I'm absolutely sure of that. Um, first of all, uh, congratulations on getting the opportunity. And also, just following the blog, if, if uh, people want to find you, where can they follow this YouTube blog? Because it's, 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 it's good fun to see what you're doing each day and the, the pain you're putting yourself through to get to this, uh, this fight on July 16th. Yeah, no, you know what, There's, uh, I, I put stuff on there which is not regular uh, or, or what you'd expect from a fighter, but I, I just wanted to keep it as real as possible. Yeah. Um, if you go on my website, which is neilgoliathgrovemma.com, um, you can get on there, you can get my links towards my Facebook page, my Instagram, uh, Twitter account as well, and um, the YouTube account, I think, is Goliath Grove as well. So, but yeah. If you, if you go on Facebook, uh, facebook.com backslash Goliath Grove, like my page, all my videos go on there, mate. And, right. and like I said, I just want to thank you again for having me on. No problem. Um, I, I feel relevant again within a couple of days, which is fantastic. And um, <laughs> <laughs> if, you, uh, if you're looking for tickets, I've got a link that's on the YouTube links. Um, guys, come and support the UK the MMA scene. Um, let's show these Americans how it's done. Hey, mate, it's great to have you back. All the best for July 16th, Bellator 158 at the O2. Uh, we'll see you there, my friend. All the best for the last weeks of camp and good luck in the fight, all right? Fantastic, bro.
And thank you very much. Have a great day. Take care, mate. Bye bye. So there we have Neil Grove. Great to see him back in action. Uh, what an exciting collision this is going to be of heavyweights, uh, both for, on different trajectories as far as where they're coming from for this fight. James Mulheron uh, taking this opportunity to step up to the big stage and uh, Neil Grove taking this opportunity to step back into the limelight um, on a stage he stepped on many times before uh, under Bellator, under the UFC cage rage. Uh, going to be interesting to see how this one plays out, uh, but show them both some love and some support on Twitter, on Facebook. And if you can get down to the to on July 16th uh, to watch this fight to support uh, these two fighters or any of the uh, the fighters on the card that, that take your fancy uh, do it Bellator 158 the O2 July 16th uh, looking forward to that one uh, big thanks as well to Dan the Hangman Hooker what a great uh, a mind he's got for this sport and I really do appreciate him coming on and breaking down these fights we'll definitely do that again with him at some point soon show him some love and support on, uh, on Twitter on Facebook YouTube with the videos he's got putting out uh, and if you want to keep up to date with more of the stuff that's going on in the world of MMA as always go to woetv.com some great stuff coming out uh, from all our contributors there uh, especially this fight week they've got some amazing articles some amazing insight uh, so keep your eyes peeled for what they've got coming up and if you've got any suggestions for guests on this podcast or you want to just say hello uh, uh, just go find us on Twitter at woecast w-h-o-a-c-a-s-t and we will be there so that is it for this week enjoy fight week have a great weekend Uh, I can't wait for it thanks for joining me and I'll speak to you next week